my role as a librarian is to sell them on the quality information that our school already has instead of wildly Googling to verify your information. Verify the information that you find in other sources. Hey, hey, this is Stacey Craddeville, and you're listening to the Cappuccino Mic Drop Podcast. Hey, hey, today is a very special episode, and I know that I say that almost every week, but we've talked to a lot of different teachers, we've spoken to a wellness counselor, and today we are talking with Anna Lapid, who is our library media technician, and she actually works at Cappuccino and Aragon, so she's a very busy lady. And one might think that the PE teacher and the library media tech don't get together often, which we actually don't see each other often at school. But fortunately, we are friends on social media. And I like every single one of Anna's posts (laughs) because she is very crafty. And I also love arts and crafts. And it's been harder to find time now that I have kids, but I have a cricket. If anyone has a cricket and wants to learn how to use it, I'm your gal because I like to cut stuff on my cool cutting machine and I find a lot of joy in that. So I'm really curious, Anna, what is your favorite medium to work with? What kind of crafts really float your boat? Clay. And as Zan Levine will tell you, clay, ceramics. I think that's right now I'm on a mission to make my own set of dinnerware. That's awesome. So like the plates and like cups, cups, platters, bowls. I just created or made hand built a set of six plates. So next are bowls. That's awesome. And where do you go to make all this? The ceramics classroom here at Cappuccino. Perfect. We have a um, ceramics club. So I and Zan and Casey Hill, sometimes Janice Valletta, Shannon Hendricks said she would come, but she still hasn't shown up yet. (laughs) And everyone does something different. Like Janice will throw on the wheel. Janice and Casey are really good throwers on the wheel. I bet people didn't know that. And then Zan's just like a know-it-all when it comes to ceramics. So she's a great font of knowledge for all the problem solvings that happen with clay. And, yeah, I that's you, so fun. and I know you sew, Stacy. So at some point we're going to have to talk about sewing. Oh, you know, I, I was sewing before my daughter was born. And now that I've got two, I really have not been sewing, but I do have a Cricut machine. And so I do a lot of stuff on my Cricut. I'll do like iron-ons and like cut out letters like that are vinyl stickers and like just fun crafty. I'm going to remember that whenever I need decor done in the library. (laughs) Totally. Yes. The Cricut's really fun. I actually just made some stencils for Nancy and Joey to spray paint on the stairs, the IB Learner Profile Oh, very cool. So we're going to, we're testing it out. We'll see how the stencil works with the spray paint and then we'll. Oh, nice. Maybe we got to do some of that graffiti art in the library. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) So Anna, tell us your journey to becoming a teacher librarian. I mean, a lot of people probably haven't even heard of that role. So how did you end up in that type of position? So I 
started out, I was an English teacher, a high school English teacher for 11 years. And when I came to San Mateo Union High School District, I had originally applied to be an English teacher. And Kirk Black at the time, our associate superintendent, was the principal of Aragon. And he called me and said, I'm looking at your resume and you have too many years of experience. <laughs> and I, I was kind of dumbfounded. I said, okay, so why are you calling me? And he says, but I, I have a need for a librarian. And I was honest and I said, honestly, I don't know what librarians do. He just kind of said, oh, it's great. You get to teach and you don't have the paper load. And, and so I'm sure I had my first question in my mind was like, well, what do librarians teach then? <laughs> and so I was hired to be the librarian here at both Cappuccino and at Aragon High School. And so I split my days um, or my week between the two schools, two days at one, one school, two days at the other, and then I alternate the Fridays. And that first semester I was here at, at Cappuccino, I had no idea. I would look at all the books on the shelves in the library and wonder, okay, what do I do with all this information? I don't just have to check it out. And Kirk Black also had said at the at my interview, "Oh yeah, you'll you you just need to take some classes and you'll be you'll be fine in the library." And I still and I I still sort of like okay, and just sort of through like just talking to the other teacher librarians in the district at the time. This was 2007. There were there were six teacher librarians, one at each high school, and then it dwindled down to like four and then to three and now to me, to just the one. But the Mills High School librarian at the time told me, oh, you've got to take this class over at College of San Mateo, library research skills. And I said, oh, okay, because I had, I still had no clue what librarians do. It was a class on basically how to research, how to use databases, how to use a citation tool called Noodle. And I felt like everything I learned in that class was applicable to what I still do now as a teacher librarian. It was just so invaluable. And it led into my application to San Jose State to earn the teacher librarian credential as well as a master's degree in library and information science. And I never would have pegged myself as having a master's in science because I was a humanities liberal arts person. Um, and the, the classes were a grind and a whir, but I, my classroom experience as an English teacher sort of was my in to graduate study in library school. And because I already had the single subject credential in English, I was sort of automatically accepted into the teacher librarian program at San Jose State. I'm trying to think where, like, and so, so I think a lot of my, the vocation or the career of being a teacher librarian, I, I learned by doing, by teachers just coming into the library and saying, hey, can you conduct some research with my kids before they read Romeo and Juliet? And I said, sure, what, you know, what's the end product? What do you want them to 
produce. And so like, and that it's interesting, like that's still a research project that I teach over at Aragon. We do something called the Elizabethan England project. And it's just to help them build context and understand the customs and the mores of Shakespearean England and of Romeo and Juliet. And it encompasses me gathering up all the print sources about Queen Elizabeth and daily life in Elizabethan England. And then just being that extra adult in the room as kids get stuck with either print sources or with the databases and then crafting the questions to ask and then come up with a, well, the Elizabethan English project is is sort of like a report as opposed to a research paper, but they do have to craft questions and like, what's, why should I, you know, what's interesting to know about the 16th century history? And how is it going to have helped me to understand this play by William Shakespeare better? I feel really scattered <laughs> right now. Um, no, that sounds great. That sounds like a really fun thing to do when you know that you're helping students and you're supporting teachers to get through something that they might not be initially familiar with or just to be that extra adult in the room to help kids because sometimes it's hard to get around to everybody and just. And just to like, yeah, so like what I like to do is get kids to ask their own questions rather than we feed them the questions that they they need to answer. I I think the questions are more important than the answers. So here at Cappuccino, like various research projects have encompassed trying to think from the top of my head, like before I started working with the extended essay writers in the IB diploma program, I mean, I remember working with like Angela Rodriguez for her kids to look at the Holocaust or prior to reading Jeannie Houston's memoir or maybe doing like research on the Vietnam War before they read things they carried. And then I worked a lot too here at Cappuccino with the social science teachers. And it's funny, Ken Montgomery was who was a principal a couple principals ago, sort of opened the door for me to be more accessible or approachable to teachers here at CAP and, and would tell that we had some consultants who would tell them, why aren't you using your librarian? She is the information queen. And then I started to work with uh, history teachers like Vanessa Aguayo and, and Alicia Vosberg and Andrea Gonzalez, and it was great because we did a research project called the Annotated Bibliography. So, and it, it encompasses doing like all the research steps that you do be prior to writing the paper, looking up the sources, evaluating the sources, putting them together into a works cited or a bibliography or a, a reference page, and then annotating those sources and, you know, evaluating, is this information relevant to my, to the research that I, I need to do for this, to understand this, this topic. I'm recalling one project where I worked with Mark Kearns and I think Vanessa Guayo. Um, it was a junior or American history teachers, and they 
were putting together PowerPoint presentations with images from history and they had to, and we drew a lot of them from the Library of Congress. So they had to know how to utilize the databases. And I feel like that's probably my role as a librarian is to, to like sell them on the quality information that our school already has and that instead of, you know, wildly Googling your topic to verify your information. Like, I don't oppose kids going to Wikipedia. I just want them to Wikipedia wisely. That is, you know, go to the verify the information that you find in other sources like print books, which have editors. And and then it involves, of, of course, like explanations to students. Well, why do we want to go to newspapers or to magazines or to books? And explaining to them that there's fact checking and vetting done by editors and that it's not a Trumpian world where, you know, rife with disinformation. Empirical facts is, is what you want to rely on for your information and for how you want to explain or give evidence. Awesome. So what's like the, I don't know if there's like a number one thing that teachers come to you for help with for a class or like if there's a a popular topic that folks generally have you explain to the students. Is there like a So the international or the IB teachers will usually come and ask me to introduce the databases to their students. So, and then usually once I I show the teachers or the teachers of, or classroom teachers have watched me explain what the databases are and then navigate students through them, they'll have that information in their toolkit and then they'll kind of like take over, which has been great in making our databases like usable to our kids. So we're really lucky here at Cappuccino and that our district subscribes to a suite of databases from a company called Gale. And it's a number of databases. One is called Opposing Viewpoints, where if a student wants to research controversial issues that they have to prepare for a debate, that's a database that's particularly tailored to that kind of research. There's two social science databases, one in world history, another in U.S. history, that Andrea Gonzalez and Rita Mon have their students use in their IB History of Americas. Scott K. Scott Kuchnick was really was responsible for advocating for JSTOR, a a university level database. Um, We're the only school in SMUHSD that has that rich a resource, but it's sort of essential if you're going to be an IB student to have, because you're doing college level work, so you need to have that kind of tool, that powerful tool to do your research, to to be that critical thinker and be able to join a dialogue or an academic discourse on whatever topic you happen to be studying in in IB. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's sort of all led into then Marty Lopez Schmidt, MLS, into (laughs) asking me to be the extended essay advisor. And So so what does that mean? Good question. So as the extended essay advisor, 
I basically start them with like, what is it you're wanting to research and why? You know, why is this top? It's kind of the same thing I used to do as an English teacher. What is your argument? Why should we care? And a lot of like saying to kids that this is not, it's not a regurgitation exercise. It's you're, you're an actual content creator. You're going to, you know, perform a literature review, see what kind of ideas are out there and then come to your own kind of thesis or argument and then find evidence or develop like an experiment or a study to give an answer, deliver an answer. And with the extended essay, it's a it's a real arduous task <laughs> that students have to, or that mm-hmm. IB candidates have to do. They can't get the IB diploma without also without doing that extended essay, a three thousand word essay or four thousand word essay, about ten to twelve pages, type double space with an abstract with a a research question. Okay, you're going to have to scratch that. (laughs) Is that just diploma kids? So diploma kids are the only ones that have to write the extended essay, but there's like variations, that same kind of research paper that they have to write for their internal assessments in their other IB classes. So we like to say, right, Marty likes to say, you know, every, we're an IB school, not just a school with IB classes. And so I strive to like kind of instill those, that IB learner profile into whatever curriculum is being taught here at Cappuccino. Absolutely. And I think the, when I look at the ATLs, the approaches to learning and like look at the skills that kids need to have, research is one that I don't think we do enough of. Like, I mean, I, that's just my perspective as a PE teacher. I'm not teaching them how to research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm talking to others, like when are they doing research? Probably not as often as they're working on their communication skills or some of the other things that are a little more common. So like really using you as a resource to get them into the research mindset and get those skills is really useful because they're probably not doing research in every single class. It's only a few particular subjects. And I think too, I think just like students, teachers forget too, that there's a librarian here that can assist with that. Um, I think it was only like in the last couple years, Sissy Barrios would bring her students into the library to utilize all the dance resources and, and the books that we have on dance. But this was, I think, or last year was the first year that I actually got to sit with them and say, okay, we've got these print resources, but what about the databases? And yes, you're going to be using a lot of YouTube videos for this. Um, They had to do this comparative project research paper, researching two dance styles. And so it was where I introduced them to JSTOR and to Noodle Tools, which is this tool for bibliography and taking note cards or doing them, taking notes electronically. And students were like surprised, like, why didn't I, why haven't I done, use these tools in other classes? And so I think that's my fault. I think the onus is on me. I need to 
because one of the classes that I took in library school was marketing. And, you know, you would, you don't think of librarians as marketers, but yeah, <laughs> I need to advertise that we have these resources, we have these books, we have these databases. And what are databases? Databases are collections of information tailored for whatever subject area you're trying to um, teach. And we have this awesome tool called Noodle that can, you know, help kids organize and synthesize their ideas and their thinking into this cohesive, coherent um, monster called the extended essay. <laughs> well, um, here's your marketing. I think you just pitched a good, <laughs> good reason for teachers to connect with you and bring their classes to the library for some research. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity that yeah, that we're this resource here for not just the IB extended essay writers, but for, for any student wanting to like, just learn more about their topic. Like I know in English and they're in, the seniors are reading Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night and um, They're There by Tommy Orange. And if they, you know, I would love it if the, like the senior English teachers came in and said, hey, let's do some building of background knowledge with our kids on these novels. Like what, what are some topics that we could have them like research to understand or do, you know, more close reading of this book? Yeah. Do you have any tips for teachers for teaching research or, or doing any of this like on their own or getting started? A few years ago, I think I ran a workshop called, oh, I ran a workshop on um, teaching students how to ask their own questions or formulate their own questions. And I love that exercise. I would love for teachers to like come and, you know, run that or co-teach with them on them generating their own questions for some like short research project. And it doesn't have to be like a five or 10 page research paper. It could be something as, as like a PowerPoint where you have one slide that's a, you know, a list of the works that you've um, cited for evidence, um, your PowerPoint text and images. So I remember that uh, workshop. Because I think okay. we all rotated through and we were asking questions. And I remember being in a small group and there was something like we couldn't repeat the same question. We just had to build on each other's questioning. Yeah, we were asking levels of questions and we were trying to like model how to ask questions that were more interpretive as opposed to close open versus closed questions. Right. Yeah, it's been a while. That was years ago, but I remember, I remember thinking, oh, that was a good way to get to like a good question because we just had to like blast out a million questions and see what it, what right. would come. And, and when you look at like the IB learner profile being inquirers and thinkers and risk takers, that was like a great exercise for doing that. And research is, is great for that, that element of being reflective. So what was your question again? Oh, I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> what would oh, be the, like a my, tip for teachers? Tip for teachers. I think that was it. My tip for teachers is exploit your librarian. <laughs> Use her. She wants to, yeah. I want teachers to know that I totally want to be in the classroom and, you know, co-teaching and not just checking out Chromebooks and textbooks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, that's important too. And I'm, I'm, ha you know, I understand that's, yeah, 
I'm glad to uh, be of service in that respect as well. You are servicing our students in multiple ways. What's the best way for a teacher to connect with you? Should they just email or stop by? Both email or stop by. And like my doors always open when I'm here. Pretty much. Awesome. What is the best mic dropping advice that's ever been given to you? And I think I learned it from my master teacher or maybe from uh, another teacher is when you're doing expository lecture or you're giving, um, you're talking to a group of students, never talk any more minutes longer than their age. So if you're teaching ninth graders and they're 14, you know, 13 to 14, I don't talk longer than 14 minutes. If they're juniors, they can stand to listen to you all drone a little longer so I can go 16 to 17 minutes. <laughs> That's a good piece of advice. That's So yeah, that would be my mic drop advice. Don't, don't speak any more minutes than their age. For sure. And maybe we should take into account uh, the pandemic and reduce those minutes <laughs> by a few oh, oh, even more. Match so, their yeah. emotional intelligence at this level. Do lots of think pair share. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for explaining you. what you do in the library and all the resources that we have for our students. And I hope some of our teachers jump at the opportunity to collaborate with you. Thanks a lot, Stacy. I really appreciate this, this marketing opportunity. <laughs> so fun. Bye. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much, Anna. And I appreciate you making time after many, many reschedules. My gosh, we had a busy winter, but I enjoyed our conversation and I'm jealous of your after school ceramics club that you guys all have going on in Zan's room. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful rest of your week. Go Mustangs!